Welcome everyone to the Money Mentors podcast. My name is Glenn Fairburn and I'm here with my co-host Nathan Lear. We're proudly brought to you by Hewison Private Wealth, who's one of Australia's leading independent financial planning and wealth management firms. Our key objective is to improve financial literacy and financial awareness. Um, today's podcast is really focusing on when should I seek advice and looking at the different stages in life that um, you should consult the expertise of an advisor. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, Nathan, when we first set up to set up the uh, podcast, I suppose one of our key objectives was to answer any questions that people had in relation to financial planning or just financial matters in general. And we did, I suppose, put the question to our listeners to provide feedback to ask and, and, and also put questions to us that they wanted answered. Um, and I suppose our listeners have spoken, so to speak. And, and one of the questions that a number of people have come back to us to ask is, I suppose, when is the appropriate time to seek advice or, or, or consult the services of a financial advisor? But also, I suppose, what are the trigger points in life where people should consider seeking advice? Um, and I think it's, it really is a great question. Um, but I, I suppose any time is a good time to seek advice from a from a from a professional advisor. Um, but I suppose there are some key events during our lives which are probably more important than others. Um, would you? I mean, wh- where do you think people start? Yeah, I, I think I would encourage absolutely anyone to seek advice. I think you could be, you know, a student starting out. If you want to take control of your future and your finances, great, do it. I mean, you might have to find the, the right firm for you, but I'm sure there's ones out there. You know, if you're 80 years of age and, and got wealth and, and never had somebody help you with it, that might be the, you know, an appropriate time to start. So I think one thing that I'd say for any, anyone listening, if you're thinking about seeking advice, I think you should do it because you could, you could really benefit from, from that process. Now, of course, you need to find the right advisor, which is a whole, probably a whole other discussion in itself. But... I think my, my key message would would be for anybody to, to go out there and seek advice. Yeah, I think that quite often people probably think that they need to have a, a lump sum of money to invest before they start consulting an advisor. Um, but there's so many other things that need to be addressed, I suppose, before you even think about investment. Um, probably things as important as setting in place that wealth accumulation plan. I mean, one, one of the key things, I suppose, in particular when people are just starting out is just insurance. Um, and, and that can be car insurance, house insurance, but one of the things that, that, that we find, and I mean, I've, I've seen quite a lot with a lot of younger people, is that they're quite happy to go out and insure their cars and, and um, you know, any contents or whatever they might have if they're, if they're renting, but they tend not to look at probably their biggest asset, which if they look at how much income they're going to earn over their working lives, um, I think that's a key thing that people should be looking at firstly is just insurances. Um, de- yeah, de- Definitely insurances. Is a, is, is a key part of any financial plan and I think it'd be good to have a have a discussion around like when when people might need insurance and um, I, I wouldn't mind delving into that before we do that Glenn I was gonna I, th- I think this would almost comes first um, in terms of why do you think people struggle taking that first step to go seek advice now I think it could be for a couple of reasons um, maybe people don't want to lose control maybe people um, don't want to necessarily share their personal information with somebody else maybe they don't want to pay for it because I, I think 
a lot. I mean, all the statistics show you that, uh, and I've forgotten the exact number, but not a lot of Australians do seek advice. But every client that we deal with, you know, generally speaking, every client that we deal with is so grateful for receiving that advice. So I'd love to kind of know why people are reluctant out there to actually go and seek advice. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, it's probably something to put to, to the to listeners and, and even clients that we talk to. But I think it comes back to what I was saying earlier. I think a lot of people, when they think of financial advisors, are probably more so focusing on the wealth management aspect of it. Um, and, and maybe they're sort of preoccupied with, with their day-to-day lives. They don't have the time perhaps to set aside. That's probably a key one, isn't it? Just the time to set aside an hour, hour and a half to sit down with an advisor and perhaps not prioritizing it. Whereas we know how important and how beneficial it can be by just sitting down, working with an advisor. It may not be an investment plan, but it may even be just looking at a comprehensive statement of advice where you can work through all the issues that are important to you. So as I was talking about insurance and, and other things. Um, yeah. Um, one, one thing I, I often think about a lot is that the people that you know, neglect their finances are often the people that can find themselves in, in trouble down the track. And people on all the, on all the um, studies that people do in terms of what, what's most important to them, it's always the same things, family, health, money. And you know, usually you spend a lot of time with your family. Most people will invest in their health. Um, but you know, quite often finances can be the, the thing that people neglect. Um, it's a bit of an evolution as well, isn't it? I think financial planning, yeah, it's been around in Australia for 20 years, but it's still a relatively new profession. And I think a lot of people um, perhaps, not that they're not comfortable with advisors, but maybe it's something that will evolve over time. I mean, it's, it's like in the health and fitness industry where you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was probably very much a high-end type thing to have a personal trainer, whereas now a lot of people have personal trainers. And you would argue that those who have personal trainers get better results as opposed to just going to the gym and you know, doing a few bits and pieces that you think are beneficial, but perhaps not. So maybe it's just something where people become more comfortable with over time. Yeah, definitely. And you just hope that it's such an important thing for a lot of people that they put on all these surveys that finance is my you know, number one, number two, number three priority. And you know, people are maybe... There's people out there that might neglect financial advice, but they will see a personal invest in a personal trainer, or you know the old the old saying about people might have a you know thirty thousand dollar car and they'll service their car religiously two times a year, but you know they'll their 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 personal finances, which could be worth a lot more money, you know, in the scheme of things, superannuation, home, whatever else, um, and they might neglect that. So yeah, you just hope that over time, as 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 you said, as as things evolve and um, more people seek advice that they'll see the benefit. It's probably cost as well. I mean, it, it may be like any service that, that you seek, whether it's advice, whether it's legal, accounting, there, there is a cost involved. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, but I think one of the key things to consider when you're consulting with an advisor, don't just, look, don't just focus on the cost. It's like anything. Yeah, look, look at the value as yeah, well. Look at the value. I mean, anything, just because it's you know cheap doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. When you're looking at any professional service where it's, as I said, advice, legal, don't just focus on how much is this going to cost me because it could cost you a lot more by not getting the advice. Definitely. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it, it's important to talk to professionals. You may think that you've got investments covered, you've got your investment property and, and, and what have you, but um, there are professionals who have studied, you know, many years and have got years and years of experience. You focus on what you're doing best, but have the professionals around you giving you best advice in each segment of your life. So whether that's, you know, financial planning, legal, accounting, health, you know, medical, whatever it may be, um, 
I, I think that's that that's probably the, the best advice you can give anybody is just seek professional advice. Definitely. Don't rely on Google all the time. De- definitely. I mean, yeah, people always say don't don't look at Google for a, a medical ailment. But so a lot of people do, don't they? A lot of people do, and We've it usually that trap. Usually, it makes <laughs> probably makes people panic and a lot worse off. And maybe with finances, you can't you can't kind of believe everything you read on the internet. So seeking that professional advice and always. You know, always most of our business, for example, comes from a, a referral. So, um, if you are looking for someone, start with your your friends and family and someone they trust, and and maybe they can provide a referral to. So, going back to, I think I, I cut you off a bit earlier with insurance, but I think that's definitely a you know often a lot of younger people, or not not necessarily younger people, but anyone in in general um, don't have insurance. So, you think that can be a good starting point, perhaps, in terms of uh, receiving uh, advice. I think so. I mean, when you're looking at the stages in life where you should start seeking advice or or looking at, you know, your financial affairs, I I think when you start working is a key thing um, because then you've obviously got that income that needs to be protected. Um, You know, you study many, many years to put yourself in a position where you can earn that income. Um, And and once again, yes, there is a cost involved. But as I said earlier, don't just focus on what this thing is going to cost you on a monthly or annual basis. Look at the situation where if you don't have it, what are the implications of that? And for a lot of young people, they might have mortgages, they might have dependents. Um, what would your position be if you didn't have the insurance? Yeah, if you had a mortgage, how are you going to repay that? Yeah, exactly. Debt? You might have to sell the property. Yeah, yeah. Definitely think of. Uh, yeah, I agree completely. That situation, if you weren't working and your income turned off, how are you going to keep funding lifestyle, mortgage, whatever else, family? De- definitely when you get a job would be a good a good starting point i think i think as people as the situations change and they they might uh receive pay rises they might need a review if they have insurance they might need a review potentially increase it they have more income they need to protect i think people purchasing property or having debt that's definitely a you buy your first home now you've got a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage um you, know, you might need to protect that that mortgage with with life insurance. So if something happened to you, your dependents don't have to worry about about servicing that. And debt. that's where that review, I think, is so important. Whether it's working with a professional or doing it yourself, um, you know, putting in place a plan that that's the start. But then it's just as important to regularly review that plan, because as you were saying, Nathan, I mean, as you progress through life, you may have more dependents, you may take on more debt, your salary might increase. So it is important to review the levels of insurance that you have. But then also looking at the different stages of life as you work through your careers, as you, you know, perhaps your dependents start getting a bit older, as you start repaying debt, there is an opportunity then to start reviewing the levels of insurance and perhaps even look at reducing it. So yeah, there is a cost involved um, at the outset and that may even increase over time. But with every review, there may be a potential to reduce those costs over time as well. So I, I think you know, as far as a trigger to start seeing advice, as we we're saying, as soon as you start work, start thinking about um, what you need to protect most. And for a lot of people, they might think their car or even their house is their biggest asset, but that's actually wrong in a lot of cases. The biggest asset you have is your ability to earn an income over your working life. And we're talking, even for you know an average income earner, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars that people quite often neglect. I mean, we see it all the time. You know, I think the level of people who have got insurance is very, very low. So there is a massive risk there. So I think that's definitely one thing that people should be looking at. Uh, yeah, it's funny you say that. The you know that's your your biggest asset effectively is your ability to earn all that future income. And people don't insure it, but I pretty much would guarantee everyone you know would have would insure their car. I know I used that analogy before, but 
people might insure a $50,000 car. That's going down in value every year, basically. Yeah, but not not another income which is going up each year. Generally speaking, it would be going up with inflation and whatnot. And look, I suppose you hope that you'd never have to use it. But, you know, insurance is one of those necessary evils in a lot of ways is that every year you sort of fork out your premiums. You think, I'm not using this. It's not providing any value. But it does provide a hell of a lot of value at the point where you do actually need to draw on it and, and and even from a from a risk perspective you know the likelihood at some stage during your life that you're unable to work for a period of time due to sickness or disability is is very very high um, definitely. so definitely something that i'd strongly encourage people to consider and seek advice on and also with insurance just to tidy up insurance finish off on insurance but also reducing insurance like as you as you accumulate wealth and perhaps get older you probably want to reduce your insurance. It's cost you money. So if you don't need it, you don't necessarily want to pay for it. So I know there are discussions we have with, with clients all the time as you build wealth. Hopefully you can save money on the other side and reduce insurance. And it's not there to profit from, is it? I mean, insurance You'd is there not. to mm. protect you in the event that you can't work or you, or you die prematurely. It's not there as like a, um, a lotto win um, where you're better off as a result of it. It's really to protect you and put you in a position where you would be if, if that event didn't occur. So just going back to the reason that people may seek advice, the thing I often think about is just to get a plan in place. I know like anything, you know, goal setting, I mean, we always say we work with our clients to achieve their goals and objectives. Um, I think a plan can really help people focus on, on working towards that. So I think, I mean, we're going to talk about, we have been talking about trigger points, but I think generally speaking, just for anyone whether you seek an advisor or not, have a think about your goals and objectives, what you want to achieve and, and whether you put a plan in place or seek a professional. I think that's that's a, a key or trigger point for everyone. I think everyone should do that no matter what your situation. Um, but then obviously there are some other situations where it might be um, more, I don't know, more appropriate or relevant to force you into seeking advice and we've spoken about a few already. Um, and that's because it's complex. I mean, we're... You know, we're providing this podcast to try and give people, um, you know, information and knowledge to perhaps make some decisions or, or prompt thinking in certain areas. But financial planning or, or wealth management or, or just managing your, your own affairs, it's very complex. And, and we're obviously going to try and go through a lot of the things that people should be looking at today. But each of those things have their own complexity. So whether it's insurance or superannuation. So, yeah, you... you, you, you you know, you might make a decision to try and do things yourself, but it might be costing you a lot um, in the short term and over the long term. Sure. So, so working through some other maybe scenarios around when you might seek advice, I think I might just mention the, the whole retirement piece. Now, whether or not you are retiring next week, next year, or 10 years away from retirement, I think having a, having a plan around that whole retirement piece, I know I've spoken a lot about this in a previous podcast about how much you need to retire. I think that's definitely something where you can benefit from, from seeking advice around the definitely. retirement I mean, piece. The sooner you start, the better. Um, and, and superannuation, um, I suppose in a lot of ways, when, you, when we get reported about superannuation, investment performance and all that sort of thing, it, it, I suppose it, it's unfortunate that superannuation quite often gets viewed as like an investment product. Like, you know, like every financial year, there'll be oh, superannuation's done 8% this year. I, th- I think it's important to differentiate or separate superannuation as a product because it's not an investment product. It's just a tax structure that you can use. 
and however you use superannuation is completely up to you but it is a very tax-effective structure to utilize to to fund you know to put funds aside for your retirement um, because while you're working while you're contributing earnings are taxed at 15 percent now that can compare to you know, marginal rates of up to 50 percent and then when you retire obviously there's the potential to not pay any tax and that's why people probably have had negative views on superannuation because there has been so much change in more recent years but I, I think that the reason why we're so focused on superannuation as advisors is because of the tax benefits. I mean, you're far better off from a tax perspective accumulating assets within superannuation than mm. perhaps you are in your own name because there's, there can be a massive tax saving. 100%. The, the, the benefits of superannuation are, are, are very well known. And one thing that really uh, maybe frustrates me is when people know nothing about their super. And I don't care if you're... 20 years of age at your first job working part-time or you're, I don't know, 40, 50. A lot, a lot of people, maybe because they can't access it, they don't, they don't know about it. They might know the name of the fund, but they couldn't tell, they couldn't tell you what their investment what they're invested is in. Or, like, yeah. is it in a growth option, a balanced option? You know, is there other considerations? A self-managed fund, do they have a, a death benefit nomination in place? Um, do they have insurance in that fund? So one thing I always, you know, a message I'd like to really put out there is just to encourage people to take control of their super. Absolutely, I was thinking exactly the same thing. Control is absolute priority because how many times we come across clients that have maybe worked, whether it's through university or 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 had a few jobs just after university, and they've got like five or six different super funds and have no idea how much they've got in each. What's the insurance? What's the investment option? So I think as far as a trigger point and one thing to tick off, as soon as well, even as soon as you finish school, even while you while you're in high school, just you know, speak to an advisor, or speak to um, you know, family and friends, but or, or do your research and and just set up a superannuation fund that that suits you, um, and and use the one fund so that as you move from one employer to the next, it's all consolidated into that one fund. And, and superannuation for a lot of people is their biggest or second biggest asset after the family home, especially as they, they, they get older and closer to retirement. So hopefully it is going to be for a lot of people their biggest asset. So yeah, just, just take some take some interest in it or, or seek advice. I mean, I, I just I hate to hear when people don't even know anything about it, don't seek any advice. You know, they're, they're paying fees. Like everyone out there that has a super fund is, is paying fees to a superannuation provider and yet may be reluctant to go seek advice because they don't want to pay fees, but they already are paying fees. So just, yeah, I think knowledge is power in that situation. Yeah, getting the right investment option. I mean, there's all the, for example, industry funds, whatever the fund may be, there's multiple investment options. Um, And firstly, you need to understand what those investment investment options are and where the funds are invested. But secondly, you really need to understand which option is best in your situation because depending on whether you're, 30 years out from retirement or, or 10 years out from retirement, the, the investment option that's appropriate for you may be different. But also, as you know, expanding on what we we're talking about before with insurance, superannuation can be a very cost-effective way to hold your insurance, you know, life insurance and the like. Um, so if you don't know where your superannuation's at or what levels of insurance you've got, you might be double insuring yourself and perhaps mm. paying more than what you, you need to be paying. Yeah, if, if somebody saw an insurance broker isolated just for insurance and maybe the superannuation discussion didn't come up yeah you're 100% right they might load them up with some life insurance but they've already got life insurance default life insurance in their super fund so it's cost once again it's costing them more money by not seeking potentially seeking that advice yeah, absolutely and it, com- it comes back to value doesn't it as we were saying earlier yeah you might speak to an advisor who charges a fee perhaps to set up 
a superannuation fund, but by not getting that advice, might might be costing you more, whether it's through insurance premiums or administration fees, um, whatever it may be. I think it's important, to, as you, as you said, the key thing is take control of your super, take ownership. It may seem like a small amount now, but bear in mind that you know there's ten percent of your salary going in each year, increasing to twelve percent in a few years' time. So it, it doesn't take long for that asset to build fairly rapidly, and is going to be a, a key component of helping you meet your retirement needs you know when, when you do eventually retire even though that may seem like a a long way down the track um you know the power of compounding i mean that's probably the an investor's best friend is just that power of compound earnings over a long period of time um and, and all things start small but you know by taking control by taking notice and and just um i suppose giving it the attention that it deserves it can build up to a you know fairly sizable asset over time well, as Albert Einstein said, the eighth wonder of the world, yeah, compound interest. Definitely. So, um, which I think maybe segues nicely into another another conversation I'd like to have around um, another trigger point for people seeking advice being around coming into, well, whether or not they come into money, so whether or not they receive an inheritance, for example, or receive a pay rise and have, have surplus cash flow and they see their bank account building up. That's, that's probably another situation where I, I'd, I'd encourage people to maybe seek advice where... Um, or bonuses know, or things like bonuses, that. Bonuses, you know, depending on your situation, but you might not have any debt anymore and then you get that bonus, you get that pay rise and then cash is just building up and it's effectively, you know, an unproductive asset earning maybe 1% or 2%. Um, that, that could be another opportunity to seek advice. Definitely. I mean, as we spoke about um, in one of our previous podcasts about budgeting, um, the temptation is that when you get a bonus or when you get a salary increase that you just absorb that into your everyday income needs. And that that can be a bit of a danger. I mean, life's all about balance. You need to enjoy life as well. But I think you also need to be accountable and, you know, based on what you were saying earlier about setting your objectives, you know, those bonuses, inheritances, pay rises, that may enable you to achieve your objectives sooner with the right sort of planning. Um, so, so there's no, no doubt that it, it does require attention when you do, um, you know, come across those sums of money because it, you know, there's various options. There may be whether it's repaying debt. Do I put it into superannuation? Do I invest it outside of superannuation? Mm. There's a lot of different options that you really need to consider and the best outcome will be different for everybody because if you're 30 years of age and you've got a mortgage, it may not be, yeah, you might get a great tax benefit by having that go into superannuation but you've also got 30 years before you'll be able to access that money and you may have other objectives that you want to achieve up until that point, whether it's repaying debt, whether it's, children's school fees, travel, whatever it may be. So I think it really is, there's no one size fits all. And that's why we can't give people the answers as to what's mm. best because there's no you know one size fits all. It does vary, doesn't it? I mean, it just really depends. Yeah, it depends so much. And I, hopefully this podcast has helped people to identify some opportunities to take some action. But yeah, you're right. It really just depends on everybody's specific situation, you know, attitude towards risk and what they're trying to achieve. It comes down to so, to so many things. Um, you mentioned you mentioned before around, um, or we've we've both spoken about you know whether people have debts, whether they've paid off their mortgage or even paid down their mortgage. I mean that that could create a situation where people have a lot of equity in their home, especially with house house prices going up significantly, um, where they might you know often people want to use that equity to their advantage, so they could potentially use some of the bank's money and undertake a, a gearing strategy to whether it's to consider buying an investment property or um, you know a couple hundred thousand dollars to buy a portfolio of shares that's another 
another thing people often like to do, isn't it? A, yeah, a gearing I think strategy? as far as a trigger, I suppose the first one is when you do buy a house because obviously you, you might have debt that, that you need to you know insure against, whatever it may be. But you, you're definitely right as far as as you start accumulating equity in a property, in a lot of ways it becomes a bit of a lazy asset because the home that you live in, um, although in some ways it can be viewed as an investment, it's very much a lifestyle type asset because if you continue to live in it, you're not going to generate any income out of it. Um, and even though it may grow to a sizable asset, the only way you're going to realize that equity is by downsizing effectively or selling it um, and, and moving into a lower cost property. So you're definitely right as far as getting the most out of that asset that perhaps you've worked so hard to repay the debt against. You know, why not use that equity perhaps to secure borrowings for an investment strategy? And whether that's in property or shares, um, that is probably ranks right up there as far as you know one of the most effective wealth accumulation strategy is effectively using someone else's money, which in, in most cases is, is the bank, to assist in the accumulation of your own wealth. And you receive a nice a tax deduction on the interest expense as well. So it can help, it can help depending on the income the investments generate. It can also, in some cases, help to reduce tax, which is often a, a key objective for a lot of people that we that we deal with. Um, I was just thinking about the, the evolution of, um, you, know, you mentioned trigger point, People, people buy a house. Um, having having children is often Absolutely. another thing. Yeah. Um, there can be potentially a need to increase uh, well insurances because maybe expenses might go up. Also, thinking about the future of those children and whether that's um, putting putting a, a savings plan in place for maybe school fees down the track. Um, but quite often, I think the evolution of and everybody's different. But you know, people will buy a house. They'll have they'll have debt. They'll focus on paying off that debt. They'll then maybe pay off that debt or get close to paying that debt down and maybe then they'll think, oh, now I'm in a right position or a good position to, to yeah. seek advice. But I, I think one of the messages we're trying to um, promote today is even if you have debt or you're just starting out or I think you can you can still benefit from from that advice. Definitely. I mean, so long as you've got equity within, within your property, you know, as we, as we've said many times with investment, the sooner you start, the better. Because of that, you know, the eighth wonder of the world being compounding, that can be so powerful over a long period of time. Um, and you continue to delay, delay, delay. I mean, just look at it in the property market. I mean, you know, if you if you were repaying your mortgage over the last ten years and you wanted to wait until the mortgage were completely repaid before you entered, you know, or you wanted to buy an investment property, look at how much you potentially missed out because of the growth in that asset. Over a long period of time, the compound returns. Um, so I, I don't think we're saying to you know over leverage yourself and, and get too carried away, but just just be I suppose aware that you don't have to wait until you've completely repaid your mortgage before you start looking at borrowing for investment. And it doesn't have to be a property either. I mean, property is obviously a fantastic asset. The return on that's been great over you know the last sort of decade but i suppose one of the downsides is you have to do it with a quite a large amount of money you can start that with a small share portfolio obviously get the right advice as to which investments to look at but you know you can start with quite small amounts people forget that over you know the 100 plus years of data we've got shares and property effectively yeah, generate they're, they're the same similar. return they're pretty similar somewhere around that you know 10 to 12 percent per annum over a longer period of time and I think people look at property over the last 20 years in Australia and they see how well it's gone and capital cities, Melbourne, Sydney, for example, and they, they really focus on property. But one thing we always encourage people is a, a well-rounded, diversified investment plan, which hopefully will include yeah, property, shares, and maybe other asset classes as well. 
Yeah, and also I think with with the home, um, as as far as just using that as your asset accumulation strategy, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket either. Um, it's all good and well having a five million dollar home when you retire, but how are you going to meet your income needs? So you still need to focus on superannuation during your working life, and also accumulating accumulating assets outside of superannuation perhaps as well. That's right, and I think I was going to make the point around property. I think people. Um, because it's a, it's more of a liquid asset where it's not priced every day and there's not the emotion. Oh, there is emotion, but the the price movement. I mean, shares we know shares can can be volatile in the short term, but as I just said earlier, longer term over you know I'm talking a long, you know 10, 10 20, 30 years a long investment time horizon, they they generate the same return. So I think where people get unstuck with with shares often is they dabble in shares. They'll They'll they set speculate, up, don't they? They'll speculate. They'll set up a yeah. broking account and they'll buy, I don't know, a BHP or something that might be a bit more up and down. They'll have a bad experience and they'll be like, they hate I hate shares. Yeah. I, I don't want to invest in shares. And, and that's where you know, we always tell our, our clients, if you, have a, if you have a plan in place, um, you, can, you can do quite well off shares, can't you? Definitely. But uh, you know, getting back to, I suppose, the different stages in life, um, when you're first starting out, perhaps you're saving for a... You know, for a house deposit, but you're not perhaps planning on purchasing a property in the next five, six, seven years and you've got a small amount of money, you just can't do that with property. Um, but that might be an asset class that you look at as you progress through your life. You know, as we we're saying, as you start repaying debt, perhaps then you look at buying an investment property. So I think, you know, the right asset or the right investment strategy has to be tailored to your different stage in life, whether you're just starting out, um, you know, you're working through your life repaying debt, but then... As you get closer to retirement, it becomes even more important to have a more diversified portfolio because in the end, you're not going to have the time to ride through that volatility and you're also going to be more reliant on the income generation from that asset. So I think you know, getting back to the different stages in life where you need to seek advice, it's you know, at the beginning, in the middle, but then also as you're approaching retirement because the strategy is going to change so much. Mm. So it really is you know, emphasizing the ongoing need to review where you're at you know, set your objectives, review them every year, make sure the strategy is appropriate. Um, I think that's probably the, the key piece of advice there, isn't it? Yes. Uh, another another trigger point um, where people, I think this is something that people neglect too much is around estate planning. Um, now, most people, don't, oh, I want to say most people, a lot of people don't have a, a will um, and especially younger people. Uh, it's just things they want to avoid. It's like insurance, isn't it? You know, yeah. You sort of, you don't, you don't want to think about those sorts of things, so you just sort of put them in the background and, and neglect them. Yeah, like yep, insurance is maybe around getting sick or dying and having a will is around dying and yeah, people don't often want to think about it. But I mean, as we've, we've both had experiences, if you, if you don't have a will, people don't have a will and pass away, it can, it can really leave a trail of destruction for... Well, you're effectively putting it in the hands of the courts, aren't you, with the intestacy rules and so forth. So yeah, it can be really, really messy. There's no doubt about that. Um, but and but once again, seek professional advice. Mm. Don't try and get a you know a will kit from the post office and, and write it yourself for the sake of um, you know whether a few hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. It's something that probably doesn't need to be reviewed as frequently as a financial plan. Um, perhaps every year, just running your eyes up, making sure the executors are the right people. We're not lawyers, but you know key key things to look at. But definitely seek the expertise of a lawyer. Um, so I mean. At any age, you need a will, but I, I suppose there's other key points in life where you need to review it. I mean, one, one key example is divorce. People think that, oh, I'm divorced now, my will's null and void. Well, it actually isn't. 
um, marriage does nullify will. So you might have a will, get married, think it's still applicable, but it isn't. Um, so I suppose they're the, the, you know, any, any key event in your life, whether it's um, you know, marriage, divorce, having children, um, the children growing up, there's a number of times throughout your life where you need to sit down and review your wills. Mm. Um, it's not one of those things you just put in the bottom drawer and never look at it again. Um, it's definitely like your financial plan needs to be reviewed. I think it needs to be reviewed, but my, my key message for people out there is start, just get, get one. Because I think one. most people, especially under 30, 40 years of age, I reckon most people won't have one. So a lot of people don't have no one. Doubt. I know yeah. a lot of my friends like don't, don't have a will. And think about what, like you said, with insurance, if you die... Think about what's going to happen to those left behind. Yeah, like if you don't have a will, it just makes things messy for for the for for your you know your dependents, your beneficiaries. And that relates to superannuation as well. I mean, people um, think that superannuation is an estate asset. So what I mean by an estate asset is that it's dealt with via your will. I mean, there are a number of assets that don't actually get dealt with via your will. So assets that you might hold jointly. So for example, people you know a couple might go out and buy a property and have that property in joint names, well, on the death of one of the owners, it automatically passes to the survivor. So it doesn't um, actually get distributed via your will. The other thing is with, with superannuation. Superannuation isn't an estate asset. Um, so it's important that you make the right nominations there as well um, and, and make sure it's a binding death nomination. You know, a lot of nominations within superannuation are a, a sort of non-binding, which means that in the end, if you've got like an industry fund or a retail type fund, it's actually the trustee of that fund that has ultimate discretion as to where that benefit's paid. So you really need to take control of that as well, don't you? You know, check as a checklist, check your superannuation fund. Where's your benefit being paid to if you do die? Hmm. Yeah, superannuation is so important for anybody, I think. And I don't think we really touched on in a great deal self-managed superannuation funds, but I know people often start thinking about that more when they build up their their wealth and a, and a lot of people ask the question when should I start a self-managed fund so I think that's always a good a good discussion as well to have with your advisor around you know whether a self-managed fund is a, is appropriate for you because they are they are a different beast I mean they can offer other advantages and with additional costs but but quite often they depending on your situation they may they may be appropriate to yeah, consider and, and as we were saying earlier there's no one size fits all I mean there's so many different superannuation funds out there I mean look at how many industry funds there are you know, we see that on, you know on the TV quite a bit. You've also got the more traditional retail type funds. You know, whether it's offered by the banks or other larger financial institutions, and then as you were saying, self-managed super funds. So, it is important that through the stages of life, as you accumulate money within superannuation, as it becomes a larger asset, that you are reviewing where your funds are at and, and getting the right advice, because there are benefits across you know each of those different funds, and that you know an industry fund might be appropriate as you're younger, but then as you accumulate a bit more and you want to have a little bit more control and you're taking more interest, maybe a self-managed fund's the right way to go. Um, so yeah, there's, there's no one size fits all, but I think the key, you know one of the messages as we were saying is you know, from an estate planning perspective, just be aware of where your benefits are being paid because you might think, oh, I've only got 10,000 in super, who cares? But a lot of funds also have default insurance. So there can be quite a sizable benefit that can be paid out to your beneficiaries and you, and you want to make sure that it's paid out to the right people. Yeah, and a lot of people put the wrong nominations on their super funds that put people that actually can't under the under the definition under the sys definitions they can't they can't accept that like parents is often 
not 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 cis dependent, superannuation dependent. So quite often people put. I know I did when I when I was um you know young and got my first job. I put my parents because I didn't know how else to put. So yeah, just having a think about who your nominations are. Can they can they accept that benefit if, if you pass away? So yeah, definitely a lot of things to consider. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we've given people you know a brief overview of of, of the main things, and we, we've sort of spoken about the the different triggers through life. So obviously starting out, progressing through your life, and then you obviously got pre retirement. Um, and then leading into retirement uh, throughout your sort of lives and, and, and the key things to look at. So insurance, um, superannuation and estate planning, I suppose they're probably the three key things that people should be looking at at any stage in life, but also you know, your investment plan and so forth. I, I think there's no key trigger. It's probably one of those things that although there are different life events that prompt you to seek advice, it, it's really any time. Would that be... The best advice to give people, do you think? Definitely, any time. And the, the earlier you start, the better you will be. I mean, we, we deal with, with so many clients and I know when we all, we all say when we see somebody young, we get we get excited because we, we think, oh, gee, I can really sink my teeth into these people and, Absolutely. and add a lot of value. But if you see somebody who's you know, a bit older, maybe near the, towards a, in retirement or something, although it's great, you'd love to help them, You just th- there's a lot less you can do. So we, yeah. we love getting people early, don't we, to, look, to help them. If you are young and you think, oh, look, you know, I've got really nothing to look at, it's, it's pretty straightforward, speak to your parents. They might have an advisor be more than happy to sit down with you. Um, do your research, whether it's via LinkedIn or Google, you know, looking for independent advisors who can provide you that non-conflicted advice, you know, put in place a plan for you that you can commit to and, and review on an ongoing basis. Um, so I think, in essence, our, our advice to, to our listeners is to never think it's too early to start um do your research find the right advisor speak to friends speak to family um look for professionals um but but in the end be aware that you know the sooner you start the better off you'll be thanks everyone for listening to today's podcast we hope you enjoyed it please remember to check out our supporter here some private wealth um, you can search for them and on google also via the various social media platforms, so LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Remember, and we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast and also leave a review. We'd also really love it if you were to email through any ideas or any questions that you would like Nathan and I to answer. Our email address is moneymentors at Look forward to the next week's episode. Thanks again.